Hi, you're listening to the New Life Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message, brought to you from the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. Uh, so it's wonderful to be here, and uh, thanks for your uh, welcome today. Yes, this is my honor to uh, talk to you on the work of the Holy Spirit, part three. Uh, in this uh, series called uh, Three and One. Uh, and I'd like to really talk to you about the idea of experiencing the Holy Spirit. That's where I really want to take this today, experiencing the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of you have ever had uh, an experience in your life that deeply impacts you, that is life-changing, absolutely amazing, right? And then you go home and you tell your nearest and dearest about this, your family, your friends, and so on, and they just don't get it. How many of you have ever had that experience? <laughs> and, and, and the response is underwhelming, to say the least. And, you know, they don't kind of get your enthusiasm or whatever. Um, you know, it might be that you go on holiday and you, you see some incredible sight. Or, uh, or you, you go to some great rest. I was in a great restaurant recently, and the food was the most unbelievable food you've ever had in your life. But you kind of try to explain that to others, and they don't really get it, right? Or, or maybe you meet somebody, somebody famous, or somebody who's not famous, and they, and they just impact you. The conversation impacts you in a major way, and then you try to relay that conversation to somebody that you know, and they just don't get it. Because that experience is so personal to you and so profound to you, it's a little difficult to explain it to others. And I just think that that is a little bit like what happens when we experience the Holy Spirit. It's a bit indescribable, really. And you know that you've had an amazing experience, but you try telling that to other people, and sometimes they just don't get it. I remember when I proposed to my girlfriend, who then thankfully went on to become my wife, hip hip, and, uh, and I wanted to plan it out. I took her somewhere really exotic. I'm sure none of you have ever been there, Matlock in uh, Derbyshire, no expense spared. And if you've ever been to Matlock in Derbyshire, they've got these cable cars that uh, go right across the beautiful Derby, Derbyshire countryside. So I arranged for us to have a cable car on our own, uh, bribed the fella, basically. And uh, so we're in this cable car. We're going across. Then came my moment. I thought, this is it. The cable car stops. The beautiful view of Derbyshire around us. So I got down on my, not just one knee, on both knees. I was desperate. And uh, <laughs> in a moment of powerful emotion, I said to my girlfriend, Lydia, who became my wife, I said, uh, will you marry me? And she said to me, get up. <laughs> You're shaking the cable car, she said. And she thought I was joking. And uh, so it, uh, it took me a few minutes, and then I pulled out this ring with a chunk of diamond on it. How many of you know that that chunk of diamond changes everything? <laughs> I paid for it then. I've been paying for it ever since. And uh, she said yes, and she agreed to be my wife. Now, when we got off that cable car, uh, and we went to walk down the hill because we didn't want to take the cable car back. We were just in a daze. Uh, and I was like so happy. Have you ever had this incredible experience where you're so happy and you just assume that everybody knows why you're happy? And I'm like walking past people and, you know, hi, yeah, yeah, she said yes, great. And 
and, and nobody gets it. And, and, you, and it's at times like that when you realize that the world is a kind of a negative place because nobody was rejoicing. Nobody was celebrating my great uh, success, my great victory that day. I think that this is a little bit like what happens when you experience the Holy Spirit. Not many people really get it when you experience Him because it's so personal, so intimate, so real. The Holy Spirit is relational. So the way that you will experience His power is probably a little different to the way that I'm going to experience His power. That's how the Holy Spirit works. Now, the passage that we just referred to there in John chapter 4, and I know that you've been looking at this over the last few weeks, is a really interesting passage, this conversation that Jesus has with the woman at the well, and an incredible conversation transpires. Jesus knows everything about the woman. Uh, she's been married five times. She's living with fella number six. The implication is that she's having an affair. And so you get this incredible sense that this is a woman who's just dissatisfied with life. She's not happy with life. She's searching for reality. She's searching for fulfillment. She's searching for it basically from relationship to relationship, hoping that guy number six is going to be the guy who's going to make her really happy. But, of course, we know the story that that is not going to happen. And so, in the context of this, Jesus gives her the secret of real fulfillment in life. We would, it would be worth our while to read those scriptures again. John chapter 4, verses 13, 14, the verses should come onto the screen, and let's take a look at those. Jesus answered, everyone, this is to do with the well. He uses this as an analogy. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Let's go to the next one. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. He's making the contrast between you trying to search for fulfillment your way and you being fulfilled my way. That's the contrast. He says, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And then comes the statement, verse 24. Again, you can see that on the screen. Jesus goes on to explain that God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now, that little statement tells us a lot about God. God is spirit. Can you say those words, please, everybody? Say those words. God is… You know what that means? That means that God is not you. Aren't you glad for that? Husbands, wives, aren't you glad for that? God is different to us. God's perspective is different to our perspective. God's vantage point is different to our vantage point. God's values are different to our values. God's ways of doing things are very different to our ways of doing things. And so Jesus is teaching us here in John chapter 4 that if you really want to be a fulfilled person, then the way that you will experience a fulfilled life is when you understand who God is and that He is Spirit, and then you experience His Spirit for yourself. And I love this. It's like God is wanting us to experience all that He has for us. And so, today, I want to talk to you about eight things, eight important things that we need to know about what it means to experience the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to even make myself a little vulnerable with you from time to time in this message. But hopefully, I'm going to encourage you to really uh, be hungry and thirsty for 
more of God in your life. And then we're going to finish this service this morning and then have a little break and come back again. And anybody who wants will basically pray for everything that moves. Is that okay by you? So if you want some prayer for anything at all, let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does best. And He wants to touch you today. I absolutely guarantee you that the Holy Spirit wants to meet with you. Okay, so eight things, eight observations about what it means to experience the Holy Spirit. Here's number one. To experience the Holy Spirit is to experience His life. Let's think about that. To experience the Holy Spirit is to experience His life. Now, let me read another verse to you from Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And again, you'll see that on the screen, and this is really powerful. This is what Paul the Apostle said. He talks about the Holy Spirit. This is the Spirit who wants to dwell in you. If the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Now, let's just stop for a moment here. You talked about Jesus last week. Let me bring the conclusion of last week's message again. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead? All three of you. Let's try that again. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead? I am so glad that we don't serve some dead God who's in the grave, who's dead and gone, and who left with, with a bunch of lovely teachings. I'm so glad that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And, and the thing is, you know, when, when he was ministering in, in his earthly ministry, Jesus raised a man from the dead called Lazarus. But Jesus, on the third day, didn't just rise from the dead, but he resurrected from the dead. Big difference. What does it mean? It means that when he rose from the dead, unlike Lazarus, who would survive or live for another 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and then he would die again. But when Jesus resurrected from the dead, it wasn't for another 10, 20, 30, 40 years, but he lives forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And I'm going to keep saying it until you get it. And ever and ever and ever and ever, and ever, and ever, and ever, and ever. This is Jesus. Now, it is interesting that it is the Holy Spirit who was involved in raising Jesus from the dead. And so here in Romans chapter 8, Paul the Apostle says, if this same Spirit dwells in you, then that is going to have an impact on your physical demeanor, on your physical body. I, I have stood in the presence of God from time to time, and I have watched people physically change, usually from miserable to happy. Have you ever met a miserable person? We don't have any of those in Scunthorpe, do we? Let's keep moving on, shall we? But I have discovered that when we stand in the presence of Jesus, there can even be a physical change in our physical demeanor. The Holy Spirit, you see, is a life giver. And He wants you to experience His life, His hope, His authority, His power in your life. That is who the Holy Spirit wants to be to you. We live in a, a world where there's so much cynicism, where there's so much negativism. Any fool can be a cynic. Any fool can be negative. The Holy Spirit is so counter-cultural, it is refreshing. And that's why we need to have the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I don't know about you, but if I'm really honest, my natural 
personality, my natural inclination would tend towards melancholy. I'm, I would be a, a melancholic guy uh, who would probably, you know, the Todd family, my, my grandfather's like this, my father's like this, I'm a little bit like this. When my grandfather and my father and myself get together, Jesus might as, all, might as well already have come back yesterday because the world's finished, done, over. Melancholy is the theme. The Holy Spirit challenges that. He challenges us not to pander to lifelessness and hopelessness, but the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, He dwells within you. So the Roy Todd version says, tell your face. Are you with me? Because that's the Holy Spirit who dwells within you and I. And I think this is an amazing message. This is who the Holy Spirit wants to be to all of us. He wants us to experience His life. Here's number two. The second thing that I want us to observe today is this. The, to experience the Holy Spirit is to experience His power. Is to experience His power. Again, let's go to another scripture, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, and these are some of the final words that Jesus said before He ascended up to heaven in order to make way for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And He says these words, Acts 1 8, but you will receive power. Everybody say the word power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So, so the Holy Spirit not only wants us to experience His life, but the Holy Spirit also wants us to experience His power. In other words, God doesn't want you off doing a load of stuff on your own, because I have discovered in my life, when I try to do a load of stuff on my own, I always end up messing it up. Who's got the habit of messing it up here today? Just keep your hand on. And if you didn't, okay, if you didn't raise your hand up or, or down, you've messed it up anyway, basically for me right now. Um, I, I, wa I want to say this. You must allow the Holy Spirit to empower you. Open your heart. Let the Holy Spirit fill you. And then, of course, Acts chapter 2 is what's known as the day of Pentecost. Let's look at what happened, Acts chapter 2. Uh, this is the coming of the Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Let's go to the next one. Suddenly a sign like a blowing of a violet wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Pretty dramatic. The Holy Spirit knows how to make an entrance, right? Let's go to the next one. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated, sat on each of them. Let's go to the next one, verse 4. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. And I don't know about you, but I don't think I would want to top that experience. I want a bit of that today. Hey, listen, the Holy Spirit wants to fill you. Let me just try this side, because this one were a bit quiet. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you with His power. And I believe that when we experience the power of the Holy Spirit, we can have a, a kind of a similar experience to what they had on the day of Pentecost. And, and we are released to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit gives us the ability. I remember uh, uh, when I was... Um, just introduced to this teaching on the Holy Spirit, and I heard people talking about uh, speaking in other tongues. Sometimes you hear it in church. And uh, I had real, I thought it was all gibberish, to be honest with you. Can I be honest? Well, just have. Um, 
And I thought, oh dear, what is, what's all that about? And then I heard some people teach on it, and then I thought, okay, well, it's in the Bible, and it's real, and that's the way the Holy Spirit works. So then my next question was, well, then, how, how can I speak in tongues? How can I have this experience? If this is an experience that God wants us to have, how can I have it? Because I would like to have the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And uh, so I sought to be filled with the Holy Spirit for two or three years, and I never spoke in tongues. And I really wanted to speak in tongues. And then I got a bit desperate. I really wanted this experience that all my friends were getting, that so many people I knew were getting, and I didn't get it. And I really wanted to know how to speak in tongues. And um, a very wise man spoke to me one day, and he encouraged me. And he said, listen, when you're asking the Holy Spirit to fill you, remember that it's always a prayer of faith and an act of faith. In other words, the Holy Spirit doesn't speak in tongues for you. This is, okay, Holy Spirit teaching for dummies like me, okay? You've got to use your vocal cords. You've got to begin to speak out those strange phrases that are in your spirit, and it may sound like gibberish to you, but you've got to speak them out by faith. And so I thought, I listened to that, I thought, okay, all right, I, I'm going I'm to go with it. Next time I sense that, I'm going to go with it. So I remember uh, I was about 16, 17 years old, and I was really hungry for God. Back in Belfast, bombs gone off everywhere because it was the middle of the troubles and all that. And I was sitting in my room, my bedroom, and I was praying for the Holy Spirit to fill me. And as I was praying, I suddenly began to speak in this interesting noise. I didn't call it speaking in tongues as the Spirit giveth utterance. I didn't call it anything like that. just noise, like mumbling, and it freaked me out. How many of you identify that? The first time you ever spoke in tongues, it just freaked you out. Some people say, I got a glorious experience. I had a freaky experience. All right. And uh, it freaked me out so much, I literally left the room where I was. This happened. And I did a lap around the house. But it kind of intrigued me, freaked me, and intrigued me both at the same time. And I thought, no, I'll, I'll go for this again. I'll, I'll pray again. I, I prayed a second time. And yet again, this, these strange phrases began to come out of my spirit, as I, and I began to speak them out. It freaked me out again. I left the room. Do you know, that happened four times. But the fourth time, I persisted with it. I kept speaking those strange phrases out, and I've been speaking in tongues ever since. I believe that every Christian can speak in tongues. It doesn't make you a superior Christian to everybody else. Do you know what happens when you speak in tongues? It actually challenges every natural bit of you. Because when you speak in tongues, you've got to believe that the Holy Spirit's in this. And that requires real faith. And by the way, let me tell you another little story. When I first started out in ministry, I had a real passion. I'm so glad to be speaking on this today because I need to get back to this. I had a real passion to pray for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I was preaching over in the south of Italy because somebody's got to. And, uh, and as I was preaching in the south of Italy, the host said to me, will you pray for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And I said, of course I will. So I'm in this meeting and I'm praying for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit and get the gift of tongues. And... Uh, so I prayed for this one guy, and, uh, and then he began to say things like, uh, oh, God is good, God is great, God is holy, he's the king of kings, Lord of lords, and I stopped him. I said, no, 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 no. When you speak in tongues, you, it's not Eng you, you don't speak English. You have to allow the Holy Spirit, to that, that language to flow, and I was really going at this guy, really kind of preaching to him, and suddenly my translator nudged me, Pastor Roy, Pastor Roy, yes, this guy doesn't speak any English. <laughs> 
he was speaking in tongues in English. So don't you ever underestimate what God can do. Don't you ever think that you're smarter than God. Uh, the Holy Spirit can do incredible things through an open heart. And I think that is why it's important for every Christian to speak in tongues. And you know what I'd love to do in the next session? I'd love to pray for anybody who'd love to get the gift of tongues. It will introduce you to a brand new realm. I've spent too long on that point, but it's good, isn't it? Yeah? Great. Good? You happy? Number three, when we experience the Holy Spirit, we experience His wisdom. We experience His wisdom. This is when it gets really practical and real. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. This is a prayer that the Apostle Paul prays. He says these words, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, this Jesus who you were hearing about last week, he said, I keep praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, so he also talks about the Father. Hey, the Trinity is involved in this verse. He says, may give you the Spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. Can you see the work of the Son, the Father, and the Spirit all in this verse? He says, and I pray that the Holy Spirit will make you wise, will give you revelation. Do you know what I've discovered? Is that when I allow the Holy Spirit to fill me, and I experience the Spirit in my life, I'm a, I'm a much wiser guy. You see, when I don't uh, have the Holy Spirit, I'm not wise. I'm always messing it up. Who, who, uh, who can identify with this here today? And I, I tell you what, as a pastor of a church, we planted a church in, uh, you know, a few years ago, you really understand how much you need the Spirit's wisdom. It is an awesome responsibility. Awesome. And I remember one time when, when we first planted our church, and people were becoming Christians, and good things were happening. And we had this young couple who came to be with us. And uh, they were a good couple. But they came to me one day, about a month after we launched our church, and they came to me and they said, uh, they were very involved in the church. They said to me, uh, we're in big trouble. Our marriage is in big trouble. In fact, our marriage is falling apart. So they said, we feel really embarrassed about this, having been involved in ministry, and now look at us. And they felt shamed. I said, listen, guys, go and take some time out of church and just work on your marriage. Just, just get yourself sorted out. I'm not going to put any more pressure on you. And so they went, and they were really grateful for that. Anyway, in that church, we had a, another lady who, uh, who had left another church and who'd caused quite a significant amount of problems, and a very divisive person. And uh, she came into the church, and she began to say to people things like, Roy Todd has put that couple out of the church. He's been horrible to them. And nothing could, could have been further from the truth. Now, I'm Irish, just in case you didn't know this, right? And when people wind me up, they can get the old Irish wrath. How many of you know what I'm talking about here today? And I wanted this woman to get the wrath of Todd. Because she was really being divisive and even going around our new Christians saying, oh, he's terrible. And nothing was further from the truth. And I prayed about it. Good thing to do. How many know that prayer can save your life? I prayed about it, and the Holy Spirit kept saying to me, not a word. Don't say a word. Not a word. I've asked you to protect this couple, and if you'll take some bullets on their behalf, so be it. Not a word. 
I said, Lord, are you sure you got that one right? <laughs> you know, have, you, have you ever prayed that when you're praying to God? Now, Lord, if I were you, uh, just a, a quick, uh, quick suggestion. You ever pray that, Lord, if I were you? You don't, you know, you don't say it out. You, you kind of think it in your mind. If I were you, thank God he's not, you know. <laughs> I didn't say a word. And I stayed and held my nerve and held my, everything within me that wanted to speak. But you know what? When you hold your nerve and you listen to the Holy Spirit, you may pay a little price in the long term, but I promise you this, God will vindicate you. I'm going to say that again. God will vindicate you. Listen to the wisdom of the Spirit. Wisdom knows when to speak up, but wisdom also knows when to be quiet. Who gives us that wisdom? Answer, the Holy Spirit. I want to really encourage you to really experience the Holy Spirit's wisdom in your life. Here's number four. Are you still with me? To experience the Holy Spirit is to experience His guidance, because the Holy Spirit wants to guide us. Here's uh, John chapter 16, verse 13. Again, you'll see the verse uh, appearing on the screen. This is what it says, and I want you to notice the word guidance. When He, the Spirit of truth, comes, look at this, He will what? He will guide you into all truth. He will not only speak on His own, He will speak only what He hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. But that's the first part of that verse that I felt so stirred to talk to you about this morning, that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit wants you to experience his guidance in your life. Do you see that great opportunity that you've had? Have you prayed about it? You see that great opportunity that looks like a great opportunity? Have you prayed about it? Have you really sought God's guidance on it. The Holy Spirit wants us to experience His guidance. Lydia and I were going to, actually, we were going to move out to America. Uh, we were going to base ourselves in sunny Florida. A church had asked us to go out there, and so we, we, we thought, well, of course, God, that would, be, that would be God's will, wouldn't it? It's a no-brainer, isn't it? You know, sunshine, uh, coldest temperature, 22 Celsius in the wintertime. I, I think I feel called to those people down there, you know? Well, we were out preaching there. We were loving it. And, uh, and then I made the mistake of praying about it. Sometimes prayer can mess your life up as well. <laughs> and as I was praying about it, the Holy Spirit said to me, I don't want you to hear in America. I want you to go back to the UK. And I want you to plant a church. I said, well, thanks. <laughs> I was going to reach Mickey Mouse for Jesus over in the Disneyland area. And so we had, to, we had to cancel all the plans and come back, and then we launched the church in Loughborough. I have to tell you that the church in Loughborough is growing from strength to strength. We've got a generation rising up there. You know, the average age of our church in Loughborough is probably 22, 23 years old. We've got a bunch of young people coming through who are on fire for Jesus. But none of that would have happened if I hadn't have listened to the Holy Spirit, if I had not allowed the Holy Spirit to guide me. And you see, that is what makes living in the Spirit exciting. He messes up our plans. He messes up our agendas so that He can have His way in our lives. I want to really encourage you today to experience the Holy Spirit's guidance in your life. If you'll just listen. You know, one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself is to listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying. God is Spirit. His perspective is different to yours. His, his way of thinking is different to yours, and so he wants us to experience his supernatural guidance in our lives. This is important. Here's number five. To experience the Holy Spirit is to experience his strength. 
Maybe there are some people here today, and this is exactly what you need. You need to experience the strength of the Holy Spirit in your life. Maybe you're feeling weak. Maybe you're feeling inferior. Maybe you're feeling like you're going through some kind of a crisis in your life. Maybe you're at a crossroads. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. You wake up at three o'clock in the morning. Have you ever had that experience? You're questioning your life. You're wondering where your life is at. You have your crisis. You don't know what's happening. Do you know what you need? Do you know what you need to experience? You need to experience the Holy Spirit's strength. It's there for you. Let me read another verse, Ephesians 3.16. Look at this. This is another prayer that the Apostle Paul prays. He says these words, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you. Look at that. Strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to do for all of us. So if you're feeling weak, if you're feeling discouraged, the Holy Spirit wants to strengthen you. Cheer up. The Holy Spirit wants to make your life a lot more exciting than what it currently is. Never say God's boring. He's really not. Let me tell you a little story. Can I tell you? Can I, do I have time? I don't even know what time I'm on, but I'll tell you. I'm going to tell you a little story. 2004, I had a little office down in Nottingham, and... Uh, I used to go on Revelation TV, God help me, every Friday night to do a live chat show. We got some very interesting calls into that live chat show as well. It was really interesting. But I remember one night I was sitting with a little Pakistani pastor. We were answering questions about all kinds of subjects. We went and had some coffee afterwards. And the little Pakistani pastor, his name is Ezekiel, he said to me, uh, will you come and preach the gospel in Pakistan? Now, if he'd said to me, uh, will you preach the gospel in the Seychelles? Of course, you know what my answer would have been, right? But he said to me, will you come and preach the gospel in Pakistan? So I gave him that typical response that you give as a Christian when you don't want to do something, which is, I'll pray about it. You, you've obviously prayed about it. You know what I'm talking about here. I said, I'll pray about it. Did I pray about it? Not, not at all. I valued my life too much. I didn't want to go to Pakistan. Now, one of the names of God, if you study the Bible, is Jehovah Sneaky. Okay, that's, that's the Roy Todd version. That's the Irish version. The Holy Spirit will have his way. Three years later, I'm sitting in my office in Nottingham, and I get a phone call from the little Pakistani pastor who I talked to three years ago. He said, do you remember me? I said, yes. Can I have a coffee? I said, of course. I'd forgotten about our conversation. He came and had a coffee with me. He said, um, during the conversation, he said, will you come and preach the gospel in Pakistan? And I said, I'll pray about it. He said, I thought you might say that. He said, I've already prayed about it. <laughs> and God has given me the answer. And God has told me that you have to come and preach the gospel in Pakistan. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. I thought he was going to say afterwards. <laughs> so, um, to cut a long story short, I went out to Pakistan. It was the scariest trip I've ever taken in my life in my life. It was unbelievable. In fact, there was a bomb explosion probably two or three weeks ago over Easter time, maybe longer than that. I preached on the same spot where that bomb exploded. When you walk into church, you've got to be searched, go through airport detector machines. And in the midst of all of that, my weakness, was I scared on that trip? You better believe. I got saved after my every appeal on that trip. 
And yet I saw the greatest miracles I've ever, I've ever witnessed in my life. In fact, uh, we even saw a very senior uh, member of the government came and gave his life to Jesus in those meetings. His wife got healed. That kind of got his attention. He came and gave his life to Jesus. And I remember sitting on the plane going home. I'll never forget it. Thinking, I can't wait to get back to London again. I can't wait to get home. And uh, as I was getting on the plane, the stewardess said, Mr. Reverend Todd, Reverend Todd. I, and I said, yes, uh, uh, we've arranged for you to have a new seat. And they bumped me up to first class. Isn't it great to be a man of God? Isn't it really? <laughs> I remember sitting there on that plane going back from Pakistan thinking, how ironic is that? Went in weakness, went with fear, and gone, turned the whole thing around. Now listen to me real careful. God can turn your crisis around in a moment. But He doesn't normally do it in a moment. He lets you go on the journey because it's on the journey where you'll experience His power, where you'll experience His strength becoming your strength. That's why God doesn't give easy answers. He wants you to experience it for yourself. And if you're going through some kind of storm, and I had no intentions of saying this, but I'm going to go with it. If you're going through some kind of storm, some, through, some kind of crisis, some kind of crisis even of faith or in a relationship, or hold your nerve and let the Holy Spirit be your strength. Let's have those, that verse again in Ephesians, just that last one that we showed there. Can we have that one up again? Ephesians, I think it's 3.16. I pray, this is the prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through the Spirit his spirit in your inner being. That's what Holy, the Holy Spirit wants to do with all of us today. Can you say amen to this? Amen. Okay, I got two more to go and then I'm done. You happy? Here's number six. The Holy Spirit wants us to experience his protection. His protection. John 14, 26. This is what it says in John 14, 26. But the advocate, look at this, the advocate. Who's the advocate? That's the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I've said to you. He talks about the Holy Spirit being the advocate. Now, this comes from the Greek word paraclete. And the word paraclete can literally be translated lawyer. The Holy Spirit is your defender. The Holy Spirit is your protector. The Holy Spirit is the one who stands beside you. The Holy Spirit is the one who stands in front of you. The Holy Spirit is the one who stands behind you. In other words, you get this incredible sense that nobody can touch you when you've got the Holy Spirit in your life. The enemy of your soul who would love to see your downfall cannot touch you because you've got the paraclete in your life. The advocate, the Holy Spirit who leads you, who guides you into all truth. This is who the Holy Spirit is. This is who He wants us to experience in our own lives. He is here to protect us. He's here to keep us safe. He's here to protect us from all the schemes of the devil. I wonder how many times in your life you've actually experienced God's protection. Uh, maybe when we go to heaven and God rolls back the VT, maybe we'll realize just how much He's protected us time and time again. Is anybody here glad that God has protected you in your life? Allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. He wants to protect you. He wants to be your comforter. He wants to be onto you everything that you so desperately need in your life. You don't need to defend yourself. You don't need to justify yourself. You don't need to shout out loud or, you know, wag your fist or whatever. Let the Holy Spirit's calmness. And I think that's what the Holy Spirit does. He calms our spirits. He soothes our 
our soul. He says, it's going to be all right. I was sitting on a plane once coming back from Uganda, and we were about 20 minutes outside of Schiphol Airport, uh, and then we were going to take a connecting flight back to London again. So we're, be we're beginning our uh, descent back into the airport, and you get that good feeling, ah, we've made it so far, ah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Who, who here gets saved every time you get on an airplane when you put your hand up? So you know what I'm talking about. So we begin our descent, and then suddenly, in a moment, there is a massive bang and a flash. And what happened next on that plane, I kid you not, was absolute chaos. Ah! And that was just me. Ah! And everybody assumed the worst and thought that there, you know, something terrible had happened to the plane. I was getting saved. I wasn't preaching the gospel. I was just making sure I was all right myself. I'm not a very good evangelist. Oh, Jesus! Making up sins, repenting of them, just to feel right with the Almighty afterwards. And then came the pilot, Nigel. Because every pilot's called Nigel, right? And I'm convinced it's the same fellow who's flown me everywhere I've ever been in my life. I'm convinced of it. And the pilot comes on, very hilarious, bearing in mind that there has been carnage in the background. And the pilot came on, the, the PA, ladies and gentlemen, he said, you may have noticed. <laughs> Nigel, we've more than noticed, Nigel. We want, out, we, want, we want parachutes, Nigel. We want out of here. You may have noticed there was a flash and a bang, he said, but I need you to know everything's okay. We've been struck by lightning, but this plane is more than able to deal with that. No problem at all. So just be calm. We're going to get you into the airport, and everything's going to be okay. And the pilot's voice just soothed. You could sense, ah, I felt like an idiot. Ah. There's a gentle voice that the Holy Spirit wants to speak into your life, saying, it's going to be okay. Lord! Stop trying to do God's job for him. The three greatest days of your life. Number one is the day you're born. Number two is the day you discover why you were born. I've got a third. Number three is the day you discover you're not God. I think that that's one of the greatest days of your life. When you let God be God and you let him be who he is into your life, let him experience, let, let him let you experience his protection in your life. Here's my, I'm going to make this the last one, number seven. The Holy Spirit wants us to experience his provision. He wants us to experience his provision. The Holy Spirit wants to provide for us. Some of you today are in great need in your life. Can I just encourage you to keep trusting the Holy Spirit's work in your life? Every time the Holy Spirit gives you a vision, He gives you the provision to make the vision happen. I feel, and I'm going to speak prophetically now to New Life Church, I believe that God has called you to take new ground as a church. Anybody up for that? Anybody up for some more battles? There's a battle for a generation in Northeast Lincolnshire. There's a whole generation, even just driving in here this morning. I drove up the misty M1 and the boring M18, whatever it's called, M1. That's got to be the most boring motorway in Britain, isn't it? And then I drove through into Scunthorpe, and it was misty and murky, and then I drove into Scunthorpe, and the sun broke through over Scunthorpe. Anybody happy about this? And it was like God saying, I want my people to bring hope. I want you to be carriers of hope. When God puts a vision into your heart, the Holy Spirit will make it possible for that vision to come to pass. Keep doing the right thing. 
Keep trusting, keep believing. Can I tell you another story? I mean, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm just trying to make you feel involved. I've always, and again, this just comes into my spirit. I've, all, I've always practiced tithing. Always. I've, I've given 10% of my income to Jesus' personal conviction. I've always done it. I remember when I launched out in ministry, I asked God to give me a break from the whole tithing malarkey because I wasn't doing very well financially. Who knows what I'm talking about here today? And I said, Lord, what do you think? And it was, God, it, was, it was as if God said, well, what do you think? And you know the answer to that one right away, right? And so I stood in a meeting, a pastor's meeting, and I was so discouraged that I didn't have any money, that I didn't have the provision, that I didn't have what I needed. And I knew I was doing the right thing in terms of being honorable in my finances, but, oh, man, I was discouraged. And a pastor, this was a pastor's meeting, Pastor came and spoke to me, and he said, uh, how are you, Roy? And I gave him that typical response you give when a Christian, when somebody asks you how you're doing. I said, I'm doing great, praise God. And he said to me, no, how are you, Roy? And I said, I'm rubbish. <laughs> I just came out with, I said, I'm rubbish. Things are not good. I don't have any money. I'm discouraged. I'm not good. He said, yeah. He said, I sensed that. He said, because my wife and I were praying for you last night. And he said, I just feel the Lord saying, just keep doing the right thing, and he'll take care of you. And then he gave me a little envelope into my hand. Now, if you've ever had a little envelope as a Christian into your hand, you don't open it there and then, because that's rude. You go to the toilet. You go straight to the toilet. And I went straight to the toilet to open this envelope. And inside that envelope, there was a check that was made out to an amount of money that was way beyond anything that I ever would have tithed. And it was as if God's saying, I'll take care of you. If you'll just keep acting in faith and keep trusting me and keep doing the right thing, I'll take care of you. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Let me go to the last one. I might as well do number eight, and then I'll make a quick comment on it. Then we're through. Number eight, the Holy Spirit wants us to experience His purpose. What's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? His purpose is to glorify Jesus. Let's have one more verse, and then we're done. John 16, verse 13. Look at this. John 16, 13. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears. In other words, the Holy Spirit is actually not here to glorify himself. The Holy Spirit is here to glorify Jesus. And that's the purpose that God wants to be fulfilled in your life. Do you know what brings great glory to Jesus? It's not just when we sing great songs of worship, as amazing as they are, but it's when we live great lives. Lives that are charged with the power of the Holy Spirit. Lives that are holy and pure and right. And that's what happens when we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us. Now I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. You've listened to amazing... You've been listening to a podcast from New Life Church. New Life is committed to transforming people and transforming places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Find out more at www.newlifechurch.uk